sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in. This is Diamond Bets. My name is Matt. His name is Joe. Thank you to everyone that's experiencing us. If you're with us with your eyes, thank you. If you're with us with your ears, what's up, everyone out there? Sirius XM 204. Mr. Joe Pizapia, the mind that brings us the Black Book series, the way we look at athletes in the game. For me, it's changed the way that I've wagered on the sport. But for you, it simply is just changing the way that people enjoy the game of baseball. That's right, and there's a lot to enjoy. We've had uh, back-to-back weekends where we show up here with no hitters to talk about. The Yankees have the worst record in the American League. The Royals had a walk-off win, so everybody in the truck is very happy. It's been a fun (laughs) couple weeks of baseball, and Ronald Acuna is about as red-hot as you could possibly get, Matt. So there's a lot to break down and talk about today, and we're going to get to all of it in the next two hours here on SportsGrid. All right, so let's do just that. First, let's talk about the week that was. Let's look at the week that is coming up, and then let's figure out a way that we can make something of it all. So kick it off. (laughs) Well, Carlos Rodon throws a no-hitter against Cleveland, 8-0 win on Wednesday. An incredible story here. You talk about redemption. You talk about a player who was once drafted number two overall by the Chicago White Sox, had a myriad of different injuries over his career, some bad performances, basically a fork in his his career right in that road where he was basically going to be left for dead or find finally the talent that everybody had been waiting for him to see. And here you go. You have it this year so far. He was brilliant in the spring. It's carried over into the regular season. And this was just an incredible outing and a great story. And we hope that it continues because we've talked so much about the White Sox this year before and about the futures of the White Sox winning that division. We talked about Lance Lynn and Giolito and Keuchel. We never talked about Carlos Rodon, who right now is pitching sure. better than any of them. And that's saying something because Lance Lynn has been pretty darn good as well. Uh, Cody Bellinger <clears throat> has a hairline fracture and has left fibula. So this is bad news for the Dodgers, but they've come off back-to-back wins here. I think they're going for eight or nine in a row today on Sunday against the, the San Diego Padres. But uh, for Bellinger, this is certainly um, not something that Dodger fans want to hear or anybody who's got investments in the Dodgers because this certainly is a hit, although – you know, when you have pitchers like Kershaw, when you have pitchers like Trevor Bauer, you can sustain these kind of injuries. So hopefully Cody Bellinger gets healthy soon and gets back on track. Ronald Acuna, I mentioned it before. I mean, every time you look up, Ronald Acuna has another home run. It's unbelievable. The OPS is sky high right now yes. when we're talking about uh, Ronald Acuna. <laughs> and he's carrying that Braves offense. Let's let's be honest. Braves offense continues to strike out a lot. Marcelo Zunia has been uh, you know really struggling this year. He's a streaky hitter by trade. We know that. But Ronald Acuna really has been the story, and we'll talk about the MVP odds when we come back in the next segment and how everything's kind of been moving around a little bit just from these first few weeks of baseball. And Fernando Tatis Jr. returned to face the Dodgers on Friday night. He was in the lineup the last two days. Looks okay. If you notice, Matt, something different about Tatis, though, he's got two hands on the bat on the follow-through on every single swing. So that <laughs> big, long arm follow-through you don't see anymore now i'm kind of asking you this 
And you know, again, this is just an opinion-based question. Do you think this whole <clears throat> limited version now of Tatis that clearly is going to try to soldier through this injury for the rest of the season right. is a good investment because it's Tatis and he's an all-world player and he can just manage his right. way through it? Or are you a little concerned if he's not 100% Tatis what this means possibly for the Padres over this long six-month season and potentially the playoffs? Well, as we welcome in everyone listening in the radios all around the globe, hello to everyone out there, SiriusXM 204. This is Diamond Bats. My name's Matt. His name is Joe. Each and every Sunday morning, we come to you 8 a.m. Eastern time talking baseball. And the question posed to me was that a lesser, quote-unquote, Fernando Tatis playing through an injury, what's the value there and how do I feel about it as an investor versus Tatis at his whole? In completion, so to speak. Well, it depends on what you paid for this particular player and how you are wagering down on this player. So are you looking at it at a regressed amount now? Are you prorated in any regard? Is it all taken into consideration? Then that's fine. But if you look at it like a baseball fan, you realize that you mentioned that he will keep both hands on the bat and following through on the swing. This could add to some other fundamental structure fixes for this player who, as great as he is, there are holes in that swing. There are holes in Vlad Guerrero's swing. There's holes in Aaron Judge's swing. and pretty much holes in everyone's swing, save for maybe Tony Gwynn. You know, God bless his soul. <laughs> so, so I think when you look at it, you have to look at the type of player you're getting and also, what are you trying to now get out of this player? Because if you're a smart investor, you're changing your investment here. If it was a Ferrari, then you're looking for speed. But all of a sudden now, it becomes a Ford F-150. You're taking it for something entirely different. It can still be valuable, but you're taking it for something entirely different. Well, look, you've got this first matchup here against the you know Padres and Dodgers, right? That we talked about last week on the show. I said, okay, this is the first test of these two teams, and you're going into it. And who would have thought that going in, starting last week, that we would have Tatis, but not Cody Bellinger, and that we would have so right. far two Dodger victories. And, you know, yesterday you had a victory where Kershaw matched up against you Darvish. And this is the whole point. It's like you've got the pitchers to match up, but now you need that offense as well to show up. And Manny Machado showed up on Friday against Walker Buehler. We know that. But this is the series to watch all year. These teams are going to play each other another, what, 17 times throughout the season. So this is going to go back and forth. This is going to be one of the more intriguing battles in baseball. And I think by the end of it, when we get to September and these teams are playing each other, it's going to be red hot, let's hope. But we need to have Tatis in that mix to really make it a level playing field. He is that important to that team. So no surprise that he came back. I'm a little concerned about rushing back too soon for this series. Even though he was eligible to come off, I wonder, maybe give him the rest of April and see how well healed he is. But we got a lot to get to today. Players who are up, players who are down. Also some movement in the lines. So when Matt and I come back here on Diamond Bets, we're going to talk about some of that early movement in some of the major awards. It might surprise you. Stick with us. We're just getting started right here on Sports Grid, right here on Diamond Bets. Matt and I will be right back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, 
Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back into Diamond Vest. Matt and Joe with you here. Right now, we're moving between the lines, pardon me. We're looking at everything that has transpired from before the season to now and how that affects our bets. So, Joe Pizzapia, let's get talking here. And first, let's start with the obvious. Oh, well, the obvious is there's been big <laughs> movement here in the National League MVP race. It started out, if you recall, when we did American League and National League a few weeks back before the season started. It was Mike Trout versus the field, and then the National League it was a different story. It was Soto, it was Tatis, it was Acuna. They were all in that, what, like 650-plus range, somewhere around there. Basically all even. Well, not the case anymore. Right now, Ronald Acuna sits by himself at the top. Tatis got hurt. Juan Soto, obviously, the Nationals. Uh, starting the season a little later, even though he's been brilliant, of course. But Ronald Acuna is up to plus 300. So right now, if you want to get in and kind of ride this wave for the next five months, you can. You're getting three to one odds. Still pretty good odds. Uh, I think that this would be the wrong thing to do. I'm going to advise against this because you are now going hmm. in at peak, right? Because, yeah, right. this could potentially go into a minus situation at some point. We've got a lot of baseball left. So if you didn't bet this ahead of time, when you the time to bet Acuna was when it was at plus 750. Now that's at right. three to one. If you still love it and you think that the Braves are going to be the class of that division, which I think is up for discussion. You know, the way Jacob deGrom has been pitching, we'll get to him later on the program, uh, the way um, the Phillies have been competitive. I don't know if there is going to be such an enormous separation. You know, we talk about the National League East being very tough. So Let's kind of, you know, just pump the brakes a little bit. But I think that there's plenty of time for Juan Soto to continue in this conversation. And there could be a dark horse candidate or two who kind of steps up in that void. Now, if you love Acuna, this is probably the last time you might see a three to one. It could go to two to one or even to a minus at some point. That's fair. But you and I both know baseball is a game of streaks. This is the high point. It's the same thing if you wanted to make a trade for Acuna right now in a fantasy league or something like that. You'd be buying at the peak and you have to ask yourself, is that what I want to do? So I think the same kind of logic applies in the wagering realm when it comes to Acuna. It's not a bad wager, but if you think about doing your homework, liking the player going into the year, it's when he was at 650, 750, you know, plus nine in some spots, right? Where you'd want to say, okay, let's get in on it here and see where it goes. Now, all of a sudden it's changed. And what if he does have a long streak here where he's cold after, because that's very well possible. There's always regression in these hot streaks. We know that. And I think that's something to take into account with this three to one. Fair enough. I get all that. But I think that anyone that's been eyeing Acuna isn't eyeing him for value. And I think there's actually probably a a high percentage of wagers that that keep getting in on him as the line moves, just because you mentioned it before it all starts, everyone's in on him. This is the commodity. So you know what he is going to do. So again, if you're trying to, you mentioned in in, in fantasy leagues, if you're trying to trade for this player, that's not going to happen. As a wager, if you're starting to try to bet against this player or bet against the regression or the dip on the trend right now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So yes, there's buy on the, what is it? Sell on the rip, buy on the dip. I'll get it right at one point after doing this for so long. It is uh, sell on the rip and buy on the dip. That's exactly what it is. But there is no dip here for Acuna. So as you see these numbers go, don't let anything surprise you. This player is who he is and who he's supposed to be. I think that there are, as a wager, as a better, you look for the players around him. How can you get value? You want to talk value out of Acuna? Get value out of the players around him in your bets and figure that out because, God willing, look, this kid's not going anywhere. So take advantage right. of it. 
Right. And and it is a long season. Injuries do happen. But at the same point, the the I think the other big mix into these odds that have changed is the Tatis injury. I think Tatis was right there neck and neck with everybody. And now it's gone from maybe a three horse race to a two horse race. So I think that logic is the best logic to go in there and say, OK, you know, Acuna's a three to one. This is the time to get in on that before it goes any further. And that is fair logic because I do think Tatis with this injury is probably taking himself out of that. And I could be wrong. I mean, maybe as a glorious season, despite the shoulder injury, but I think from an investment standpoint, it's Soto, it's Acuna, maybe one or two other people, even Freeman on his own team, which again, always gives me pause. I want to talk about Shohei Otani and the number that's moved with him in the American league MVP race, because he's gone from round 20 to 15. And now he's at plus 1200 going into the weekend for AL MVP. And the guy has absolutely been tearing it up. Now on Saturday, he threw a bullpen session. It looks like the blister issues behind him. That's good. Once again, I keep harping on this, you know, Mike Trout was the guy at the top is the guy at the top will be the guy at the top. But if Shohei Otani can pitch and keep anything close to a 30 home run, 100 RBI pace, I don't see how this award is not his. And plus 1,200, this is that perfect opportunity where people are still worried about that blister, and rightfully so. But if you're like me and you like a little bit of fun, this is the fun right here. Shohei Otani is the fun, and he has something up his sleeve that nobody else does, and that's the ability to pitch and hit. It's something we have not seen in our lifetimes done at the major league level. I know Williams Astadio did it this past week which I know made Matt very happy. It's one of his favorite people. He was throwing 72-mile-an-hour heaters out there. It was glorious. But really, Matt, I mean, I feel like this might be one of the last opportunities to get into this where it's double digits. Well, here's the thing. You mentioned Otani having something up his sleeve and no one else, so that's fine. But he does have something up his sleeve that we all do, and it's an elbow. I mean, how many innings do you think he has to pitch before it's recognized that that is involved in the conversation? With the bat right now, I think alone, it's a slight conversation and the numbers indicate that, but there's too much if here, you know, and I keep going back to that phrase that I stumble over all the time, you know, to buy on the dip and sell on the rip. I think there's a rip here on Otani because if he doesn't pitch, it's just going to be that same old story and you're going to dismiss him. And that's the problem. Unless he's electric with the bat and the angels are in the mix late in the season, then that's a different conversation altogether. Because listen, uh, outside, can he outperform Trout? Can Rendon even return to the batter's box where he can be you know, contribute? So these are the questions that give me pause on that. But there are other things going on that seem to be a little more clear cut as the season goes on, especially in the pitching world. Yeah, well, do you remember my favorite dark horse for a National League Cy Young in all of our pre-shows? It was Corbin Burns. Remember that guy? Well, guess what? That number's gone from 20 to 15 to plus 550 <laughs> over the weeks of the season. Oh, my goodness. And look, he's been incredible. 30 strikeouts, zero walks. It's the first time since 1906 a pitcher has started off a season this way. If he has five more strikeouts, he'll tie Adam Wainwright for the most strikeouts in a row before walking a batter in modern-day baseball. That's kind of stunning when you think about it. Uh, Corbin Burns is that dude. It continues to be the same question I had preseason, which is, what does it look like in August and September after he goes past 125 innings? And that's a real question. I look at Jacob deGrom, and I watch how he's pitching, the easiest 99-100 I've ever seen in my life. Struck out 14 guys yesterday against the Colorado Rockies in just six innings. I still think DeGrom is probably the front runner by far and should be. 
But this Corbin Burns number, the movement, Matt, is really something to watch. And this is why shows like Diamond Bets are important because we're trying to help you get in here before these numbers move. And another number right. that's moved too to talk about is that Twins number because they've now gone to minus 110 to win the AL Central. Now, I like the White Sox here. I continue to like the White Sox. I think it's fascinating that the Twins have actually become the favorite here. And the way Carlos Rodon's pitched, the way Lance Lynn has pitched, which you have in Giolito, I understand Jose Abreu has not done much so far this year. It's been a bad start for the reigning AL MVP. But Matt, I think this is crazy. The Twins have moved to a minus 110. The White Sox, I still think, are the class of that division. And there's a chance now they're going to get Luis Robert back even sooner than originally thought. So to me, I think this is a, a line to pay attention to. I think it's a huge trap. And I think people should avoid it and instead be looking to put their money on the White Sox because that pitching, I'm telling you, is going to win out over the six-month period. So the Sharps are going to tell you two things out there, folks. The first one is that the book hates baseball. The reason being is because if you truly look at it, you can truly play the odds and win. The second thing is watch when public money comes in because it changes everything. So right now, this point in the season, public money is flowing in, and that's why you see the Corbin Burns line move, and that's why you see the Twins are essentially even with just a dime line. That's just so the book makes it vague. Be careful when the public money's coming in. The lines don't lie, Joe. That's right. The lines don't lie. Matt's hips don't lie. But some of these pitching performances <laughs> early on, they might be lying. And when we come back, Matt and I are going to talk about these pitchers that have gotten off to really good starts and whether or not we're believing them or not. So are they going to stay hot or cool off? We'll tell you on Diamond Bets right after this. Stick around right here on Sports Group. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back into Diamond Bets. Joe and Matt with you here as we are each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time. And in full disclosure, Joe and I definitely do place our fair amount of bets. And I think the reason, Joe, that you and I are doing well, thank God, is because we know how to ride the trends. I mean, any, any better mm. is going to tell you that, whether novice or the astute one that blows out the cigarette smoke and gives you their advice. They're my favorite. In any event, it's uh, riding the trend. Now we look at stay hot or cool off. We're looking at, for me, the pitching side of it. So I want to talk to you first and foremost about Aaron Savali. So what I've seen is that there's a six-pitch mix from this guy. Granted, he uses his sinker less than 5% of the time. But everything is set up off of the four-seamer and the cutter. And that's evident as the fact that he gets 20% of his outs using his curveball and his changeup. So can he continue to do this without the league catching up? Your thoughts? Well, first of all, my first thought is that we should be doing the show smoking cigars one day, just the entire show. <laughs> just you and me smoking cigars, talking baseball and betting. Yeah, it's a good thing, yeah, because you always sound smarter and look smarter when you have a cigar in your hand because you can gesture with it. The second is Aaron Savali's a throwback pitcher. He actually knows how to pitch. 
He's not just blowing mm. guys away with enormous velocity, which is what happens nowadays, which is why everybody's talking about maybe we should move the rubber back another you know foot. Like, what are we <laughs> what are we doing here? What's happening? But at the same time, Aaron Savali, you know, going into the season, I, I was very clear in my opinion, he was the second best pitcher in this rotation. A lot of people like Plesak, a lot of people tell you about Tristan McKenzie. That's fine. But this guy knows how to pitch. And I think when you're looking at the Indians' win total over the season, it's going to be imperative that they do get good innings out of Aaron Savali because Bieber is going to be brilliant. It's the rest of this rotation that you worry about how many innings per start McKenzie's going to give you. You're a little worried about the quality of consistency you're going to get out of Zach Plesak. We saw him look good in a couple starts and then absolutely implode and not get out of the first inning earlier this past week, which was not good. So this offense is not the same offense without Francisco Lindor. We know that. Yeah, Ramirez is there. The Franimal is great. Yes. But they don't create runs the same way without Lindor there at the top, and that is a problem. So they must pitch. So I do believe in Savali. I still believe in the Indians' ability to kind of be around that wild card. So as the months go on, this is something to keep an eye on. But as Matt was saying, this different pitch mix that he's got – allows him to really keep the ball up and down, in and out, and really keeps hitters off balance. And I think it's a lost art form. Kind of reminds me of Zach Greinke, right? Another guy who just knows how to pitch. He doesn't have to throw 98 to get you out. He's just going to have a different mix of location. And I think that's what's so impressive about Savali over these first 21 innings. You'll see the strikeouts, only 16 Ks, but just five walks. And he's got three wins. The guy knows how to win games and pitch to contact when he needs to and get outs when he needs to via strikeout. So that's something to keep in mind because that whip is just 0.73. He is tough to square up, and that's what I love most about Savali. So I'm buying him. I do think he does stay hot for this entire season, and he's one of the better pitchers in baseball when all said and done in the American League. Yeah, just watching the matchups, you can continue to ride this trend and try to make some money off him. Fair enough. All right, another arm that a lot of people were high on early in the season, didn't have such a great first start, but now it's back. We're talking about Trevor Rogers out of Miami. For me, it's obvious. I mean, he throws his fastball two times more than he throws any other pitch. So here it is. Hit it. You talked about the Carlos Rodon no-hitter. If you go back, listen, Rodon throws his fastball 54% of the time, and that no-hitter, he threw it exactly 50% of the time, and he hit 98 in the ninth inning, so he was emptying the tank. So it seems that the fastball is still essential to set everything else up, and Trevor Rogers has it. Can he maintain it? I think it can, and I think that this is a unique situation here, at least in the first half of the season from a wagering standpoint, because typically speaking, the Marlins are going to be underdogs most matchups, right? Yes. I think we recognize that, especially in the East. But if you're looking for a nightly basis where maybe you can go oppo that and Trevor Rogers is on the round, on the mound, there's an opportunity here for you to maybe go with the Marlins and get a little bit of a payday because – you look at these numbers over 15 innings, 23 strikeouts, nine walks, the 2-4 ERA, the 1.13 whip. Trevor Rogers right now is one of the sneakier good pitchers in baseball. Now, I don't know what he is going to be like most Marlin starters when we get to the dog days of August. That's something that really we're in a different world that's uncharted waters, and I know that this way overuse that phrase and I hate using it myself. I, I'm self-loathing right now just for saying it, mm. but it's the truth because 2020 did not give us the normal innings build for a lot of young pitchers or a lot of pitchers, period. 
So you feel good about the old guys. You feel good about the Mortons and the, you know, the, the Grankies, the Scherzers. These guys are going to go out there and throw 200 innings probably. But a guy like Trevor Rogers, we don't know what it's going to look like when he hits 100 innings, when he hits 125. But in the meantime, this is another short-term one where I feel good about Savali over a whole season helping the Indians. But in terms of helping the Marlins in this short period, I think there's going to be some matchup opportunities coming up in the next six to eight weeks where Trevor Rogers and the Marlins are going to be underdogs and they're going to be a really good wager because people don't realize how good of a pitcher he is and that the Marlins, once again, can be more competitive, especially with how good Jazz Chisholm has played and a couple other guys on that team recently, that really there's opportunity to make some money with the Marlins while the other pitchers like Sixto and Elysia Hernandez are on the shelf. Don't sleep on Trevor Rogers. Yeah, the only thing to be concerned about when you have guys that throw their fastball, like I said, two times more than any other pitch, it stinks that we have to think about this. But the injury bug is there, looking at arm slot and the torque and all that. And actually, that brings me to my next guy here. I want to talk about Michael Pineda, who also has had his ups and downs and underneath the knife. He's a fastball slider pitcher, but it's his changeup that is getting 32% of his outs. So for me, A, he's not afraid to throw the slider, you know, now that he's back, but he's not relying on that hard fastball, that break in the slider. Now he's learned how to use the changeup. Is this something you think that he can maintain throughout the season? Talking about Michael Pineda. I don't. He's a cool-off candidate for me. And uh, I think it's great that he's been able to find a little bit different version of himself without the same heat that maybe he had in his youth. But the guy's not going to pitch to a one ERA all here. And this is another reason why we talked about last segment with the Minnesota Twins being at the the top of the central on FanDuel in terms of wagering. I'm not buying that. Kenta Maeda is another poster child for that too. I mean, Kenta Maeda was brilliant last year, but that was only like a dozen starts. That was 60 games. This is 162. I think this is a very different thing for the Twins to have to go through and figure out if Maeda can sustain, if a guy like Michael Pineda can sustain. Now, so far, he's limited the walks. That's been very important. I know that their games got postponed because of COVID right now this weekend. But look, a 0.72 whip, a 1 ERA, these are things that are not sustainable for Michael Pineda, not in the American League. I think this is also a product of some of the teams he's faced so far as well. So as the schedule gets tougher for him and the Twins, I really feel strongly that's one that's going to go in the other direction. So kind of like the opposite with Trevor Rogers, I think there might be some moments where you start looking at some of the matchups of the Twins and Pineda on a certain night and say, okay, some regression's coming, a little bit back to playing like the back of your baseball card suggests you are. It, it, look, at his best, he's probably a three-and-a-half ERA pitcher, right? Well, there's a lot of movement yet to come there from that one ERA to a three-and-a-half. We'll see how long it lasts. But for me, April, pitchers are usually ahead of hitters. This is going to cool off. I think it's going to change. And I think with it, the Twins' win total, it's going to get marginalized a little bit and come back down to earth. So I love what you just said, you know, that hitters and pitchers being ahead of each other at different points in the season. And to me, it has a lot to do with figuring out the slider. We talked about Pineda. It brings up this next guy here who has been living on his slider thus far. And I just, to your point, I think the league is going to catch up with them because the back of the baseball card says they are going to. But if there's a streak and you really love these short streaks, then ride Danny Duffy. But for me, as a better, I'm off because I know where this train is going. I'm sorry, Royals fans. <laughs> well, earmuffs, James, who's uh, working our board today. Uh, I know he does not care for that statement whatsoever, but I do agree with you in the short or term. I think you this way. Or, or you overall, but who can blame him for that, honestly? That. I love you. I accept you. That's okay. You know, you're good enough. You're smart enough. And now, <laughs> I've done it. it. 
people like you. Uh, but you're right. This is this is you know something you ride the wave. Like baseball is a game of streaks. This is a good streak for Danny Duffy. Now, here's the one caveat I will throw in here: is that Danny Duffy has showed you glimpses before. Danny Duffy also being a lefty, sometimes it takes these lefties a little bit longer. Look at Steven Matz right now, who's starting the year three and oh, all of a sudden he looks really good. You know, I remember Al Leiter was a pitcher like this too, where, you know, Al Leiter was this, you know, big time prospect for the Yankees and he kind of bounced around a little bit. And then later on with the Marlins found himself and then with the Mets became one of the better pitchers in baseball. One of the guys you wanted on the, like a, on the mound in a seventh game of a series in a playoff. Now, I don't know if Danny Duffy has that upside in him, but I think with those lefties, it's always interesting to see when they start later on their career, just showing you better numbers. But look, you go back to that ERA of Danny Duffy, it's under one right now. Is that going to last? Of course not, because he's not going to pitch to a one ERA all year. However, in the short term, just like with Trevor Rogers, people might dismiss the Royals a little bit. They shouldn't dismiss the Royals. And the Royals have a decent enough lineup there. They need to get Solaire, you know, bright. That's for sure. That's not working out right now for them. Benintendi needs to kind of get back on track too, but they always have Whit Merrifield. They always have that ability to sneak up on you as eventually you hope Mondesi gets healthy and back into that lineup. I think the Royals with Danny Duffy on any given night become a really interesting uh, wager because Danny Duffy can go out there and drop six strong quality innings, pick up a win for the Royals, and I think you ride this wave. Now, if there's another gear in Danny Duffy, and if this Royals team with Mike Miner and a couple of these other arms get things right, this is a team, once again, that could really surprise as we go in the short term. I look at the matchups with Duffy. In the long term, it's going to regress and it's going to cool off because that's just the nature of the game. But, you know, Matt, why do you think it is these lefties sometimes? It takes them a little bit longer to figure things out. I'm not so sure it takes them longer to figure things out. It's the it's the the way the hitters approach them. If you watch the lefty and you look at the delivery, the way the ball comes out of the chute, you can see how certain hitters are already in their motion, already in their swing. And before we go to break, you make a great point about the Royals as a nightly play, as a nightly wager. You can really hit on that. And this is two entirely different conversations, which we're going to continue when we come back, Joe. Yes, and we're going to do a little up and down, three up and three down. We return some of the guys in Major League Baseball that are off to fantastic weeks. I've had a really good seven days, and some that would like to forget this week altogether, bury it in the backyard of Matt's house and never speak of it again. And we know some of those spots that might be available. We come back, we're going to tell you a little three up and three down right here on Diamond Bets. We'll be right back right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. everybody what's up welcome back in this is diamond bets my name is matt his name is joe as a reminder we come your way each and every sunday morning 8 a.m eastern time special hello to everyone out there on sirius xm 204 joe i know you you're the author of the black book series you walk around in a smoking jacket and an ascot 
And you, you, you just pontificate on baseball all the time, all the time. And you have just, you've been puffing your chest out about this Acuna thing as if you've uncovered this blood diamond that no one else knew about yet. Oh, I covered the blood but diamond. His, his up so far here, I mean, is there a ceiling here? Because this is a player who's up. We're into three up and three down right now. Three <laughs> players are having an up week, three are having a down week. But how much more up is there for this player? I, I don't think there's any more up than this. I really don't. And uh, I, I am president of the Juan Soto fan club, but Ronald Acuna is is an all-world talent. And anybody who had questions about Acuna coming into this year, I just want to shake them and say, what, what's worried about, what are you worried about with Ronald Acuna? This is one of the most exciting players in baseball. Take a look at this week he's having coming into the weekend games. 458 batting average, four home runs, 10 RBI, 12 runs scored, and his slugging percentage is over 1,000. Not his OPS. The slugging is over a thousand. He is a one-man band, and I mentioned before, Freddie Freeman, not so hot this year to start off things. That'll turn around. Marcelo Zuna, a streaky hitter, always by trade. Ozzy Albie's also starting to turn things around a little bit now. But Dansby Swanson, Darno, do I need to go on? The Braves winning games right now is just about Ronald Acuna. It's he is literally willing them to win games. The other night, Charlie Morton. You know, struck out nine guys, but he gave up five runs. They still got a win. You know why? Because Ronald Acuna hit a couple bombs. That's why. I mean, this guy is really carrying the Braves right now. And this is my worry about the Braves when you get into playoffs because, once again, they're not a team that creates runs. They're a team that strikes out a ton. Very high rate last year, very high rate this year. They don't have that whole run creation skill set in their lineup, and that's a problem. So when they're hitting home runs or somebody like Acuna is carrying them, it's okay still. But I don't know what that means in a short series, and that's why when we're talking about futures for the Atlanta Braves, we talk about them winning a World Series or you know going to a National League Championship Series or something like that. I have my doubts still in Atlanta, unless one of these guys just goes on a super tear, and that's asking a lot. Another guy who's been up ever since he came back for the Padres is Trent Grisham. Now, he's only hitting 250, but this is right off the injury here where he's got two home runs over the last week, six uh, runs scored, 400 OBP. Uh, and this is something they needed sorely once again with Tatis out, with Grisham out. It was a tough go there. Now they've got both of those guys back. This is important because even you know at full strength right now, it is a challenge to go ahead and compete against that Dodger team. And that Dodger team is missing Cody Bellinger. That Dodger team is also not 100%. But I think right now, if the Padres are going to compete, they need everybody to stay healthy this year. They can't have Tatis out for long periods of time. They can't have Grisham or Machado or anybody really miss significant time, or they will really fall back in that race more you know, into that 90-ish win total as opposed to that 96 win total, which I think is where you're going to need them year over year and FanDuel to really get to to make money. So you know, for me, Matt, this is an important one in terms of up. Not so much statistically, but more, I think, mentally for this lineup of getting healthy. Let's go out there and compete. And as you can see already so far this weekend, even when you're healthy, competing with the Dodgers at full strength is a bit of a chore. And that's a credit to the pitching of the Dodgers. That's how good they are. Yeah, well, listen, look, the, the Dodgers either lead or in second in every single category, total bases, average, doubles, OPS, slugging. It's just ridiculous, the, the, the rate of ball the Dodgers are playing. So to your point, yes, Trent Grisham adds a spark to the top half of that lineup in San Diego, definitely filling in the voids that have been created by some of the absent players. And then when you talked about Ronald Acuna, from a betting standpoint, folks, this is a special player. 
like ride this and ride everyone around him, his sphere of influence. There's a lot of money to be made here with the productivity and just how special Ronald Acuna is. And when we're talking about San Diego, to me, I've been holding, withholding my money here, at least in this Dodgers series, right? Or leading up to it, I was all over them until they kind of had a bit of a shake there. But I'm holding my money on this Dodgers series because I don't know where the value is. So I'm going to turn and look maybe at some pitchers and see if I have some old friends that are maybe returning to form here, Joe, that can maintain it. And maybe I can put my money there. Your thoughts? This was a big start this week for Max Scherzer. Uh, And the reason being is because Patrick Corbin the night before was so bad. And we'll get to Patrick Corbin in a second. But this is the perfect (laughs) moment where, you know, Max Scherzer can go out there and be a superhero again, be the ace, right? And say, okay, last night we got destroyed. Well, guess what? I'm the man. I'm Max Scherzer. I'm going to show everybody why I'm still an ace in this league. And he goes out there, throws seven innings, uh, gives up no runs, 10 strikeouts, just two hits, just two walks. I mean, Max Scherzer is reminding you, hey, I'm I'm still that guy. Now, is he at that very super elite level of Bieber, of DeGrom, of Cole? I don't think so anymore. I think that's okay to say that. Is he still a number one in this league? He absolutely is. And I think this is an important moment for the Nationals, too, because what you want your ace to do is stop the bleeding. Strasburg was bad this week. Corbin was atrocious this week. Max Scherzer was the guy that stopped the bleeding for the Nats a little bit, at least for a night. And I think this is a very important thing for the Nationals mentally and it's important for that rotation mentally. Because when you look at these big three pitchers they have, when two of them go wrong in the same week, you need Max Scherzer to step up in that void. And I want to highlight this start by Max Scherzer and remind everybody on a weekly basis too, when you're getting those opportunities and yeah, Max Scherzer is going to be favored those nights. It's still a good investment because Max Scherzer is still one of the better pitchers in the league, even though he might not be in the super elite category anymore. That's okay. And let's not forget baseball is a game of emotion, right? I, I talked about this on my show on fantasy pros the other day too, on the Friday show going into that start. I said, circle Max Scherzer, right? This is a huge start for the Nats. This is a huge game for them. They need to win this game and stop the bleeding against Arizona a little bit, a team they should be whooping on. And I said, go in there, make your FanDuel investments tonight, Max Scherzer. And he went out there and threw up 56 points or whatever it was. And guess what? If you had Max Scherzer, chances are you cashed everywhere, and that's very important. I think that's, that's kind of the stuff that doesn't get talked about when we just talk about stats. Let's talk about real baseball a little bit. When you have these kind of bad things happen to a rotation, to a team, and you look to your ace to step up and be that guy, Max Scherzer's that dude, and he's going to answer the bell for that call because he's a warrior, and that's the kind of player he is. Not just pitcher, but baseball player he is. And I think that's something to always keep in mind in your wagering as well because it's not just about all the numbers. Sometimes it's about the moment and the kind of players that you can have that step into that moment, and you know we're going to fill that moment properly, and Max Scherzer's one of those guys. Now, where there's three up, there's three down. This one breaks my heart, Matt, because I love Jose Abreu. But look, this last week he's hitting a buck 25. He's got no home runs, no RBI, nine strikeouts. The slugging's at 125. I'm hoping he's healthy because that's the only worry right now. Maybe it's just a bad stretch. Again, baseball's ups and downs. This is a bad down right now, bad as it gets. For one of the more consistent players in the league, because if you look at Jose Abreu's stats in his career, he hits on the road. He hits uh, 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 at home. He hits against lefties. He hits against righties. He hits in the first half. He hits in the second half. He just hits. So seeing even a bad week from him is very perplexing. So I'm hoping it's a health thing or that he's okay and all that's all right. Maybe it's just a bad week where he's not seeing the ball properly. Maybe some personal stuff going on. But Matt, this is not Jose Abreu. I think you would agree with that. Or maybe it's just April. 
You know what I mean? And sometimes yeah. you got to give guys a chance. So we were talking about, you know, where do we put our money if we fade it one way and, and you want to be in on the action, it's got to go somewhere else. You're talking about Max Scherzer. I love Max Scherzer on K props, not K pop, Joe. I know your kids listen to that and love it, but on the strikeout <laughs> props, each and every time he takes the mound, I'm always looking at those to see if there's a nice little number there for me as, as a wagerer. And then when you're talking about Obreu, then yeah, I'm going to fade him for a little bit. Once he does get hot, some of those total base props are, are really, really good as well. And that's what I start to look at at this point in the season. The league is going to shake out. We've talked about it. As a wagerer, the league shakes out. You really start making your plays in the middle of May, maybe June 1, maybe Memorial Day. Right now, you're just looking for individual ways to build your bankroll. So be aware of the trends and the streaks. Yeah, go for the K-props. Always with Max Scherzer. He can go over, especially on a team like Arizona. Another down this week. We're going to go back to the Nats for the next two downs. So the up for Scherzer was good. I'm glad we had that moment because it's him wow. and Josh Harrison who we'll talk about an hour or two. But other than that, Victor Robles, the experiment already is over at the top of the lineup, which I hate. This was a stupid thing to do. Leave the kid in there for an entire month and see what happens. Well, Instead, they do it for two weeks and they drop him down to the nine hole. What do you expect? You think he's going to turn things around now in the nine hole hitting behind the pitcher? <laughs> no, he's not. If he's going to turn things around, he's going to do it at the top of the order in front of Trey Turner and Juan Soto. Enough is enough. He's hitting a buck fifty this week. I know he's got nine strikeouts. He looks terrible. I get it. It hurts my soul. But uh, once again, it's chicken in the egg, Matt. How do you expect this kid to give him a run? Give him a run. Finally, give him thirty days at the top of the order. And if it fails, then you say, okay, we got to drop you down. But to give him a week and a half there basically is nuts. And now you're asking him to turn around at the bottom of this order. Basically, you've set yourself up for failure. That's all I have to say about that. Fair enough, but we don't know if the conversation wasn't had where maybe there was a bit of, hey, look, we got a late start. We missed a few games. Right now is not the time for this experiment. Drop down to that eight or nine hole. We'll let Trey and Juan, because I'm on first name basis with everyone, do their mm -hmm. thing, which they have been doing so that we can stay competitive. We can be in the mix. And then maybe when we pad our lead a little bit, then we can throw you up at the top. And then if it becomes consistent, then we have an amazing one, two, three. And who knows what? Look, Schwaber's starting to hit now. You mentioned Harrison. Once he comes back, is going to be amazing. Bell. Like, this is really something that they could be convincing this young man. And maybe as a team player, he says, okay. So we're not privy to that. But to your point, I agree with you. If it's just a week and a half at the top of an order, you can't, you can't date someone for a week and a half unless they really have some egregious things about them, which I'm sure you could speak to better than I can, given your dating profile. But you get what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah I, I get what you're trying to say i get it i get it message gotten uh gotten. I, I, I will disagree with you in the sense that this is exactly the time to play around with this it's april when are we i mean we're not gonna play around with this in the middle yeah, of the but it becomes june really quickly in what might be a really competitive division it is but if you're gonna compete in the division i'm just saying it's like you want victor robles to be part of that thing and here's the other part too is you didn't have schwarber and bell to start the season right you're finally right. getting them back you don't even know what this order looks like in its totality you give him a couple games with all these guys back and then you drop them down i just think that's nuts i think when you have bell and schwarber back you can't pitch around soto anymore which really puts a lot more pressure at the top trey turner's getting red hot you can watch the games and see him. He's hitting line drives everywhere, even though some of them are outs. So just keep on that train. Get all the over props on him you can on a nightly basis because he's going to get red hot. And I'm sure next week he'll be on this up list. But I just think this is really short-sighted. Now, if you want to tell me you want to drop Patrick Corbin out of the rotation, I'm listening. Two innings pitch, nine earned runs. Oh, terrible. It just, you know, I, 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 I don't even know what to say <laughs> right now about Patrick Corbin. Right. I am bewildered. 
I am dismayed. I am disheartened. <laughs> I hope once again, this is not a health issue creeping up for the lefty because he's had health issues before when he's healthy. He's looked so good, but Matt last year, the velocity was down this year. It's been terrible. I don't know what the answer is. All I know is I think that the nationals, if they're going to overreact to something, this is what you overreact to. And you put right. Corbett on the IL and you let him go figure out whatever is ailing him or troubling him mentally because something's wrong here. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, so something's wrong and I hear that and all that's well and good. But from a betting perspective, what's right is Joe Ross. And if you're looking for a place to put your money because there's a void somewhere, that could be the good place given the Corbin situation currently. You're right, man. I hope that there is not an injury. Yeah. It's it's a tough scenario here. The Nats have a lot of questions, and and this is the problem with the Nats. And we talked about them in preseason doc, which was the Nats have so much upside, but there's so much downside too. And sometimes you got to look at that downside. Unfortunately, with Robles, mm. with Strasburg this week, and with Corbin, we saw too much of it. All right, we're almost done with hour one, but not quite. We come back. We're going to do a little Cardinal discussion about a Hall of Fame catcher making some history. We'll be right back on Diamond Bets right after this. A little Cardinal talk. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody, welcome back into Diamond Bets. My name is Matt. His name is Joe. Each and every Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time, we come to you talking baseball. Special hello to all our friends over at SiriusXM 204. Full disclosure, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matthew, and I am a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Now, while I never had the chance to see guys like Ted Simmons or Tim McCarver play, because I'm not as old as Joe, I did enjoy guys like Daryl Porter, slightly in my mind, Tony Pena, Mike Matheny, Tom Pagnazzi, and of course, Yadier Molina. Joe, you're a Met fan. You have Gary Carter for whom you can cling to, but I, I, I think Yadier Molina is in a special class. And just for our audience, I'm younger than Matt. Don't let the bald head fool you, okay? I'm younger than Matt and certainly, <laughs> certainly sexier. All right, let's 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 talk about Yadier Molina and talk about a, a beautiful moment. He becomes the first uh, catcher in the history of baseball to catch 2,000 games for one wow. single team. And that is stunning. You think about some of the great catchers in baseball, the Carlton Fisks, like Gary Carters, who talk about them, but they all played in different spots, right? Yachty's mm-hmm. tenure with the Cardinals is great. I'm so happy they brought him back this season. Um, once again, you know, one of the better, you know, stories I think this offseason was them bringing him back, bringing Wayne right back, keeping that band together. And it just goes to show you how important a player can be to a, a city, to a franchise. And Yachty's a first ballot Hall of Famer for me. I don't care what the hitting stats are. What he has done for this organization and his pitchers has been staggering over the last two decades. Yeah, and I think the respect that the league has for him, it was evident when the whole thing happened with Nick Castellanos. You could hear there was a lot of respect. I don't want to say fear in his voice, but it's almost as if uh, Castellanos and the rest of the league know that if you mess with Yachty, 
Yadi probably has some some friends in in high places. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. All, all the Molinas. I, I love the Molinas. The Benji Molina, the Yadier Molina. I could never get enough of the Molinas. So, you know, give me one, two, three Molinas. I think that was actually a team name of mine one year in the <laughs> fantasy league. When we come back for hour two of Diamond Bets, we're going to go around, tell you about some of the injuries in Major League Baseball that are going to affect your wagering. Also, looking at some FanDuel trends and answering the big questions in rounding the bases because there's always important questions and we have the answers. So, hour two of Diamond Bets with me and old man Matt Stryker will be back. <laughs> right after this, right here on Sports Grid.